0: What an honor and a privilege it is to be back at the Advent. This is my fourth time here, and I am always impressed and honored to serve in this capacity to bring the Word of God to you. We're in a season now where all over the world, this past Sunday, commemorated a powerful day in our history, the day that our Messiah entered Jerusalem. We look around us and we see the signs of spring all around It's ushering in a season, the signs of spring, pollen everywhere. (laughs) But it also ushers in our national pastime, which is baseball. Some of you may be baseball fans. I know that growing up in Pittsburgh, I was there at many, many Pirates practices and Pirate games. And one of the things that I noticed was a very special relationship between the pitcher and the catcher. And if you know the relationship between a pitcher and a catcher, then you know that the signal that the catcher gives to the pitcher should determine if the pitcher is willing to accept the signal, what kind of pitch he throws because they've studied the batter. Now, if the pitcher misses the signal, what happens? It's a home run. It could turn the entire course of the event, and a winning team could lose because of a missed signal. We're in a season of amazing events, and those amazing events surround us as we're in this Holy Week. And this is a Holy Week, and as a Jewish believer, I can tell you it is just as holy to me as it is to every member of the body of Messiah. Some may look at it and call it ushering in the Passover. Some may call it the ushering in a Palm Sunday. But for you to look at the real biblical history, they are one and the same. For Jesus entered Jerusalem on a very particular day. He entered on the day that the lambs were being selected. Now as he entered, he was greeted as a conquering hero. He was greeted as the king. And the palm fronds were laid in front of him as a sign of victory. This is the way Joshua was greeted. This is the way we ushered into Jerusalem, our heroes, by laying palm fronds in front of them. And they cried out to him very specific words from the scriptures. Now you have to remember that 90% of Israel were not literate. They were working class people who were farmers and carpenters and fishermen. Only about 10% were literate. But one of the things that they did hear were the prophecies. One of the things that they knew in their lifestyle was that they had to make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem three times a year under the command of God. We cannot look at Jerusalem as it is today. We must look at Jerusalem as it was then, a city that had swelled to almost one million people in celebration of the first appointed feast day, Passover. And on that Sunday, corresponding to the tenth day of the month of Nisan, in the Jewish calendar, Just as all these tens of thousands of people were selecting the lamb in accordance with the instructions of Exodus chapter 12, Jesus made his entry into Jerusalem. They greeted him with the shout of Hosanna, Save us, O Lord. They cried out, Rejoice, O daughter of Zion. Rejoice, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming for you. He is humble and riding on a colt. The fall of a donkey they cried out the words Baruch Havah Adonai blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord yet four days later he gave his life on that cross four days later the one who was heralded as the king of the Jews of the savior to come into Jerusalem gave his life how could this be? Did the people of Jerusalem miss the signal? They heralded him as a king. They ushered him in and welcomed him into the city as one who was going to conquer the oppressor, Rome. He was going to be the son of peace, the prince of peace, Sar Shalom. Did they miss the signal? What did they see or what did they not see? What was it that was really happening? And why was it that today, actually this evening, on that Wednesday night, he stood on the Mount of Olives looking over Jerusalem and said something in Matthew 23:37 through 39 that provokes one to question in their mind, what did I miss in this? Because he said, "Oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem! You who stoned the prophets and rejected the one sent to you." like a mother hen longs to gather her chicks how I long to gather you back to me but look your house is left desolate Jerusalem you will not see me again until you cry out blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord well didn't the people of Jerusalem just say that three days before am I confused am I missing something here Was there something going on that people already said that? Why would he say you have to say that again? Why would something have changed from Sunday to Wednesday? What could have possibly occurred and did it occur then? As we look at scripture, we find out that it did not occur then. As a matter of fact, we look back a year and a half prior to an accounting of what really happened. Many of you have heard the expression, if you want to kill a snake, you have to cut off its head. You've heard the saying, so goes the head, so goes the body. My body cannot go this way without my head leading it. The head rules the body. Would you agree with that? And so if my head wants to go here to the right, my body goes to the right. If my head wants to go to the left, my body goes to the left. But a year and a half prior when the Pharisees began to plot against Jesus, something occurred. Something occurred so powerful. Something occurred so amazing in our history that the door was open for all of us to come into the kingdom. We understand that the Pharisees observed as a boy was brought to Jesus for him to deliver him from demons. And the Pharisees said, You cast out in the power of Beelzebub, And do you remember Jesus' response? His response was, you can say what you want against the Son of Man. But if you, what, take the Lord's name in vain, if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you will not see salvation. This generation will not see the kingdom of heaven what had they done as the leadership of israel they had broken the third commandment and if we look at the wording of the third commandment the third commandment says you shall not take the lord's name in vain or you will not be found guiltless must we not be found guiltless in in order to enter the kingdom of heaven we must and so for the next year and a half the pharisees themselves plotted the demise of jesus the people of jerusalem accepted him as king We know based on the records and the writings of Josephus that over half the Jewish population of Israel accepted him as Messiah. But there was a group of 71 called the Sanhedrin. Those 71 rejected him. They were the head of Israel. And as he stood on the Mount of Olives looking out, He was looking over that eastern gate and he was looking at that temple where those Pharisees and those Sadducees and those teachers of the law gathered and lorded it over the people. And he proclaimed to those 71 who had rejected him a year and a half prior that you will not see me again until you cry out. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It's a powerful lesson that the signs and the signals were read by the people, but not by the leadership. The leadership of a church, the leadership of a company, where the leadership goes, the people will follow. And in fact, it was the cause of great dissension and the great divide. We forget that these were Jewish times and places. We forget that this was the Jewish life of Jesus. And you're surrounded in a Jewish community. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that anyone who believed in him, whomsoever believed in him, would not perish. The door was open. Paul tells us in Romans 11 that salvation came to the Gentiles to provoke Israel to envy, that you should have something that they didn't have, a personal relationship with God and access to the kingdom of heaven, and that the gospel was to be preached to the Jew first. The signs and wonders of this time that we're in, this holy week that we call it, is reverently holy to me as a Jewish man. My faith in Christ is based on the fact that he walked into Jerusalem on the very day that the lambs were being selected. So significant that the instructions of God in Exodus chapter 12 where you were to inspect that lamb, feed it, care for it, and inspect it for four days. To find it without blemish or spot. And when he was taken to Pilate, what did Pilate say? I find no guilt in him. When he was taken to Caiaphas, he said, not guilty. He was examined and he was questioned. And he was taken to the Pharisees and they could not trip him up. He was found to be without blemish or spot. What the people did not recognize was connecting the dots that this was the day of the selection of the lambs. And they didn't come in riding on that colt to become the king of Israel, even though that was what was proclaimed over his head. He came to be the sacrifice, the son of Joseph, the son of suffering. And when he said he would return, as scripture tell us he will come as the conquering king to take up his rightful throne. The signs and wonders of this season that surround us, four blood moons, the crisis in Russia, Iran, North Korea, is this plane hijacked and in Pakistan ready to be fitted with bombs to go to Israel? Floods, famine, war, rumors of war, lawlessness, self-love, greed and avarice, a fallen world, a fallen nation. But we as a people are victorious. We as a people have received our redemption because the Lamb of God came and gave his life and his blood was shed. We are called, each and every one of us. And as we sat together in the office and discussed this, we had a conversation about 2 Corinthians 5.17 that declares that anyone who is a Messiah is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Do you realize that when you put your head on your pillow last night, you had cells die and regenerate overnight? And that the body you went to bed with last night is not the one you woke up with this morning. Changes took place. You are that new creation. As the people of Jerusalem who heralded Jesus' return, as they heralded his entry into Jerusalem, their lives were transformed and they became ambassadors of the Messiah. They became followers of the way. The truth and the life they walked out of darkness into light and they carried a message of hope even under Roman oppression he came in as the son of Joseph he'll return as the conquering king and who did he do that for did he just do that for Israel he did not did he just do that for us 2,000 years ago, and that's the beginning and the end of the story? Or are we to be challenged here and now to rejoice as they rejoiced? And in this Holy Week, are we to be out there to share the love of Messiah and be a light? Yes, your doctor gave you a bad report. Yes, your daughter is giving you difficulty. Yes, the economy is bad and your money's not going as far as it used to. Yes, your retirement isn't what you thought it would be. But you have a gift much greater than that because of the one who came, who lived, who died, and who rose. Who spoke in the Sermon on the Mount a message to you and to me and to the pastors and to the leadership. Why do you worry about your life? What you will eat or what you will wear? There's nothing you can do. Worry is like sitting in a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. We have been given this tremendous gift because one came on that day, according to Scripture. A very specific day, on a specific time, and went through the examination exactly as God prescribed. And either he came on the 10th day of the month of Nisan and died on the 14th as the Lamb was being sacrificed, or he was not the Messiah. And I've studied the Torah most of my life. I grew up in a Jewish home, and I can tell you That, based on everything that I know from the Jewish scriptures, and yes, all of the Bible was written by Jews, that he was and is and is to come. When you came in here today, you came in as somebody's daughter or husband or wife or father. When you leave here, what will you carry with you? A hope, a promise, a word of encouragement. Will you leave here changed because one came for you? Not for you to go through the motions. For being a believer is not a spectator sport. It's full participation with the Holy One of Israel. And I challenge you this day to embrace what was given to you as a gift of life. That you would partake of that lamb as my people partook of that lamb in their homes Marked with the sign, the sign was the blood, the blood of the Lamb. The doorpost was sealed with the blood of the Lamb and brought about the redemption of the Jewish people from slavery. You as believers in Jesus Christ are sealed by the blood of the Lamb and redeemed from this world, and your hope is in Him. And in Him it is yes and amen. Amen? Amen? In Numbers chapter 6 and verse 22, the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons this is how you are to bless the children of Israel. Would you please stand to your feet and bow your heads as I bless you with the ironic benediction of Aaron ra yes mara ha 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 ya er shalom amen the lord bless you and keep you The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. In the name of the Prince of Peace, Jesus, our Messiah. Amen.